Well, good evening. So glad that you're able to join us tonight by live stream. Uh, we're going to be discussing heaven again tonight, as we've done the last few, uh, few weeks, uh, based on a book that I'm writing uh, with Baker Books called The Eternally Glorious Backward Look. Uh, but for the first time, we're live streaming. The uh, last two weeks, we've recorded it, pre-recorded it, and run it during this time. Uh, also, we're in my home tonight, in my <laughs> den, uh, because uh, with the more than a building renovation, uh, there's no power in our building, or at least uh, it's on a, a generator. So right. Wi-Fi has been intermittent, so it seemed safer to be here. And also tonight, for the first time, uh, you get to influence it by texting in questions. So Wes, how can they do that? Yeah, so throughout the evening tonight, feel free at any time. Uh, you can text your questions to the number that I'm about to give you here, 919-229-9314. And in just a few moments, uh, as Andy's sharing some initial thoughts for the evening, I'll make sure that we have that up so you can see that on the screen as well. But again, that number is 919-229-9314. So you can text that throughout the evening. One of the things with just the limited amount of time that we do have, we'll only be able to get to some of the questions. So feel free to send them in. Just because we don't get to the question doesn't mean it wasn't a good one. We just have to make sure that we kind of work through those systematically and probably won't have time to get to all of them as well as the content that we've prepared uh, for this evening. Well, tonight we're going to be renewing our meditation on heaven. And uh, just by way of review, uh, my commitment is to stick as close to scripture as we can and the theological principles that come from sound exegesis. Uh, not really looking to speculate, uh, but looking to plumb the depths. And there's more in the Bible on heaven than we really think there is. And the basic premise of the book that I'm writing is that heaven is going to be all about uh, an immersion and experience of the glory of God. And the glory of God is the radiant display of God's attributes. And part of the way that we're going to be learning, and I believe in a dynamic heaven in which we'll spend eternity learning, there's always going to be more to know. But one of the things we're going to study, we're going to learn, is the past, the history. Uh, what God did to assemble that multitude from every tribe, language, people, and nation through 6,000 plus years of redemptive history uh, up in heaven. And how exciting and thrilling that's going to be. So that's what my book is about. And there's so many things. We've, we've already talked about the basic premise. Last week, I think, we tried to support... Uh, in scripture, from scripture, the idea that we will remember in heaven our earthly lives. And so tonight we're going to continue and learn some more about all of that. You know, Andy, one of the questions that I think may be on a lot of people's minds as we've kind of taken a step away from systematic theology, which is what we're typically looking at on Wednesday nights, and, and talking about this topic of heaven, mm -hmm. one of the questions that may come up is how would a healthy meditation on heaven based on scripture like we've talked about be really beneficial for us during this time as we're experiencing this coronavirus mm. crisis worldwide yeah well colossians 3 is a go-to passage on how we should set our hearts on things above and things to come and especially the second coming of christ when christ who is your life appears and you'll appear with him in glory and COVID-19 has brought incredible suffering to some people, literally death to some and the death of loved ones. It's brought extreme uh, fatigue and emergency care to medical professionals. Uh, it's brought a lot of people under economic distress, small business owners, others. Many have lost their jobs. Uh, this is a worldwide phenomenon. And then just the, the simple but burdensome challenge of, of sheltering at home, of not being able to go out, not being able to be there on Sunday mornings and other times uh, where we get renewed and, and encouraged by being with other Christians. So all of those things have been, have been a challenge. And heavenly meditation is, is good all the time. 
any time, no matter what we're, we're enduring or going through. Uh, but it's especially good during this COVID-19 time because it can remind us that, first of all, we're aliens and strangers here. Mm-hmm. Our, our home, our heavenly home is yet to come. Our best things are yet to come. Uh, we admit, as it says in Hebrews 11, that we're aliens and strangers, that we're looking forward to a city that is to come with foundations, to a world that is to come, filled with joy, filled with hope. And also, in that way, very different from non-Christians who are without hope and without God in the world. We can be witnesses to them, sometimes across dozens of feet, neighbors who are out working in their yards. Um, And also, we trust at some point this will end. And so as we refresh and renew our hearts with meditations on heaven, we're ready to share reasons for the hope that we have. You know, one of the things that you mentioned last week, and we kind of joked about it a little bit, was this idea of history, right? Mm -hmm. Of looking back and even... In times like this, we think, man, I wonder what we'll know looking back, even in this life, about what we've experienced in these days, kind of looking back in the future. But when we think about history, why do you think God will be the perfect history teacher? Well, a lot of reasons. First of all, human histories, and my my area of studies in history, and I love history. I know not everybody loves history, and we're going to talk more about that, the boredom factor, things like that. Uh, I had a a history professor who taught Chinese history at MIT. This man was the most boring professor I'd ever had in my life. Spoke in a monotone, this kind of thing, just would walk side to side and, and, and just give us all these chronologies and names that were hard to pronounce. It was really boring. So we're going to get to all how there will be zero boredom in heaven, but there's a lot of limitations to human histories. Uh, people forget things. Um, we, we can't even remember sometimes uh, what happened just a little while ago. I remember I wrote a journal for about four or five years, and if I got three or four or five days behind, I had a hard time remembering last Tuesday. Uh, so we forget things. Um, we also have a bias. Uh, human history writers have a bias, and they're going to write at it from a, a slant or an angle. A Marxist historian is going to have a different bias than than a capitalist historian, etc. cetera. Uh, we also... Um, uh, we lie. Human beings lie. We slant the truth. We exaggerate our role in a battle or, or something like that. Uh, so there's, there's aspects of that. Uh, artifacts are lost or destroyed. Um, scrolls in which ancient uh, facts of the history are lost or destroyed. Uh, there's the fog of, of war, sometimes so-called, that if you, even if you were at the Battle of Gettysburg, mm. you don't know what was happening on the whole battlefield, just your little part of it. Uh, there's a lot of reasons why human histories are limited, but God has no such limitations. Mm. God has a perfect memory of the past, a perfect record of the past, and he's able to cut through all of the human factors. You remember that story when uh, when the angel of the Lord came with two other angels to visit Abraham and Sarah, and they provided a meal for them. That's one of the times that angels were entertained unawares. Uh, but the Lord, angel of the Lord revealed that a year from that time, Sarah would hold a, hold a son, and she laughed in the tent. <laughs> she just laughed. And then uh, a little while later, the angel of the Lord said, why did Sarah laugh? And she lied, saying, I did not laugh. But the angel of the Lord said, oh, yes, but you did laugh. So God has the perfect history of everything that's ever uh, done. Also, God is a perfect history teacher because he's going to make it absolutely thrilling because the center of every story in the end will be God's own glory. And so God's going to lead all things ultimately to a meditation of the glory of God in everything that happened. That's really good. You know, one of the things for us as Christians is that history is important. I mean, even this week, we're looking back and remembering very important, vital history for us as Christians. You know, this Sunday as Christians all over the world celebrate Christ's resurrection from the dead, 
how is this resurrection body, how is this part of our history, what we know about Jesus' resurrection, how is that a paradigm for our own resurrection? Yeah, that's a good point. It's, so, it's going to be so exciting. It's not going to be the same, obviously, uh, not being able to be face to face with people. You know how worship leaders say, Christ is risen, and then you get the response back, he, he is, is risen, risen indeed. indeed. So if we do that in Fellowship Hall, I don't know, maybe I'll say it, you say it, and yeah. I'll say it back. But um, you, can, you can text us. We won't have our phones on, but <laughs> you can text us, indeed. and he is risen indeed. That'll be encouraging. So it won't be the same, but yeah, absolutely. We look back at the history of Christ's resurrection, because if it didn't happen, there is no Christianity. First Corinthians 15 makes that very, very plain. But not only that, we look ahead to our own resurrection. Jesus said, because I live, you also will live. Hmm. 1 Corinthians 15 makes it very plain that Christ has risen the first fruit from the dead. So what, what Christ received, a resurrection body, is a paradigm for what we ourselves are going to receive in the future. And it's going to be really important for us, and over the next couple of minutes, I would love to share more about how we are going to need and receive an almost immeasurable upgrade in heaven so that we will be fitted and ready uh, for the glory that God's going to lay out for us. But there are aspects of Christ's resurrection body that we can look at and understand and delight in. Mm. Andy, we did have a question that came in that I think at this point might actually be helpful for us to think about because as we look ahead and we think about the, the resurrection body, and we'll talk about that in just a moment, but as we think about that, we know that that's a future thing that's going to happen. We had somebody ask, what will be the immediate experience after death for Christians while we're waiting for that day, while we're waiting for that time? Yeah, so we believe that the soul, the immaterial part of us, is housed in a material part, uh, our physical bodies. And our physical bodies are called bodies of sin or bodies of death or mortal bodies, another term you see in the Bible. And so you can see the, the soul, this is the right hand representing the soul, housed in uh, is what both Peter and Paul call the tent of the body. Mm. At death, that separates. Uh, the, the soul goes up to God and the body goes down into corruption and is destroyed um, because of Adam's sin. We, we go back into the dust from which we came. But the soul... Uh, is upheld forever. We are eternally upheld by the conscious decision of God to keep us existing. And if the person is a, a believer in Christ, they go immediately into the presence of God. And another scripture in Corinthians says that we are absent from the body, but present with the Lord. Mm. And so that is uh, what happens to the soul. Also, the book of Hebrews speaks of spirits of the righteous made perfect. But they don't have their resurrection bodies yet. As a matter of fact, only Jesus has a resurrection body. And so they're waiting. And so they're waiting for the rest of the elect to come to faith in Christ and to be saved so that together with us will they be made perfect, the book of Hebrews says. And so they're waiting, but they're perfectly happy. Jesus said to the thief on the cross, today you'll be with me in paradise. Um, but they're not done being saved because they don't have their resurrection bodies yet. Those are really helpful insights, and that was a really great question. So again, if you have questions, feel free to text those in. The number is on the screen right now. Uh, so if you have any questions, you can text those in. But as we continue on, Andy, and we think about this, how will we be changed? So we've talked about what happens to us immediately after we die, and then we've talked a little bit a moment ago uh, about that resurrection body. How will we be changed at the resurrection and fitted for the glory of heaven? Okay, we have to be changed in every way. We cannot enter heaven as we are. Flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, and there's going to be levels. Uh, there's going to be a display of the radiance of God's glory that's going to be so overwhelming that we could not handle it. Mm. 
Uh, and so we, we can talk about that a little bit. Let's begin with the body. That's where we were. Let's talk about the body. And I would say 1 Corinthians 15, 42 to 44, uh, gives us a couple of couplets in this pattern. Uh, the body that is sown, it is sown X, it is raised Y. And, and he goes back and forth through that. And so if you look at, at the, the four things that he says about how the body is raised, they are incredibly encouraging. So the body that is sown, it is sown uh, in, in, uh, in um, dishonor. It is raised in glory. I don't, I don't have all that. Can yeah. You, yeah, go ahead and read it. So in 1 Corinthians 15, 42 through 44, I'll read the couplets yeah. and then maybe we can yeah. go back to the passages later if we'd like, but it's perishable and imperishable, okay. dishonor and glory, mm-hmm. weakness and power, okay. and natural versus spiritual. Okay, so we start with perishable. It can die, like perishable items or fruits, vegetables, etc. And we, our bodies are mortal, they're perishable. The body that's raised is imperishable. It's immortal. It will never die. There's no principle of death in it. It's a a a, a uh, corruption-free uh, body that will never die again. And it, it is sown in in dishonor. Uh, it is raised in glory. And so the idea there is um, that there's a certain measure of dishonor to death. Um, if you go to a nursing home or to an ICU uh, and you see what what dying does to a person, it's very very dishonorable to some degree, even if the person themselves is a very honorable person. But the process of death is, is a judgment from God. But it is raised in glory. You know, we're going to shine like the sun in the kingdom of our Father, Jesus said. We're going to be radiant. It, it, is, it is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. So we are going to have powerful spiritual bodies. By this, I don't necessarily think of it in terms of Superman, able to leap tall buildings in a single bound, although who knows, maybe. Hmm. But just we will never, ever grow physically weary. Ever. Wow. And uh, so it's raised in power. And it is sown a natural body's body. It's raised a spiritual body. Now, I think <laughs> none of us really knows what that means. But Jesus is going through walls, the walls of the tomb, the wall of the upper room. He's just in a, in a different level of physical existence. So that's the body that we will receive. Hmm. Why will we need to receive this massive strengthening in order to enjoy the fullness of the revelation of God's glory? Okay, first of all, uh, the world we're going to is eternal. Uh, it, it has no end. We, our time here on earth is a, it's a mist of vapor. It appears for a little while. We're going to a world that will never end. Mm-hmm. And so we, you know, we're going to a place where there's no more death, mourning, crying, or pain. So we need bodies that are fitted accordingly. And we'll have that. But in terms of our, uh, the, the rest of us, you talk about our, our heart. And we talk about our, our, our minds. Mm-hmm. So the internal part of us, that which we love and hate, will be perfected. Uh, that which we understand, that we know, our mental processes, will be perfected. And so these things are necessary. Our eyes, physically, will be perfected. And we will be able to look on immeasurable unapproachable brightness. Mm. You know, God said to Moses, no one can see me and live. I'll put you in the cleft of a rock and, and cover you with my hand so that you can only see the trailing portions of my glory. But no man can see me and live. In heaven, all of the redeemed will be able to see God face to face and live. So I think about uh, a number of years ago, as you remember, there was a, a partial, uh, almost total uh, eclipse that came through our, our region. It was total down in South Carolina. Um, but it, we got 90%, I think, uh, coverage. 
really just looked as bright as a normal day. It just looked like, uh, I think actually uh, clouds would have done more than the mm -hmm. eclipse. Mm -hmm. um, but I remember Andy Wynn had gotten some special NASA designed goggles to be able to look up at the sun and we took turns with them. But I foolishly, contrary to what NASA told us to do, mm. thinking that we could look at the sun because we do that from time to time. Well, I re reminded myself, actually, no, we never look directly at the sun. We don't. Uh, it's <laughs> just too bright. And so just that half a second glimpse at the sun. Now, here's the, sun, here's the thing. God actually ignited the sun to begin with and keeps it burning every moment. The sun is in the palm of his hand as a little point of light. God's glory is infinitely greater than the sun. How will we look at that? And why would that even be pleasurable to gaze on infinite brightness? So we will need resurrection eyes to be able to take that in. And then just the weight of God's glory. Uh, think about the Hebrew word for glory is kavod, which means massiveness or weightiness. Hmm. And again, going back to the sun, the sun, uh, science tells us, makes up 99.8% of the mass of the solar system. That's incredible. I mean, that's Jupiter, Saturn, all of that, all of that's 0.2%. The, the, <laughs> the sun is this massive thing whose gravitational pull holds together the entire movements of the solar system. God is more massive, his glory is more massive, and he wants to download a, you know, a, just a, a truckload of golden bars of glory into your soul. And you can't handle that. You need to be strengthened to take in the glory of God that he's going to lay on us. Speaking a little more practically, mm -hmm. uh, I think we're going to study history more than we can possibly imagine. There are details over 6,000 years that are going to be you could use the language mind-boggling. Well, our minds won't be boggled up in heaven. They'll get it. We'll be able to take it in, comprehend it, understand the significance of this with that. When combined, it's like, oh, then God did this, and as a result, look at all the things that happened. And that's just one glimpse of one day of 6,000 years of history. It's, it's just staggering now. Yeah. But in heaven, we won't be staggered. We'll just worship God. Yeah, and even this conversation as I'm sitting here trying to put these pieces together is staggering. <laughs> trying yeah. to think like, okay, how will that all work? You had an insight that you shared, uh, it might have been earlier this mm -hmm. week, just thinking about how we will be perfect but not God. And mm -hmm. we may be getting to that, but that's, yeah. that's yeah. just for my own benefit. I was thinking sure. about why learning history is necessary because we think about, okay, I'm not in my physical body anymore, mm -hmm. I'm in heaven, I'm in my resurrection body, why learning? Why why even learn to begin with? Won't I won't I be perfect? So you had the interesting yeah. Insight that I, think I mean, for a lot of my Christian life, before I started meditating on these things, I thought just when you die, you'd be instantly made perfect. And and I kind of I hadn't thought it through, but I kind of thought of omniscience almost part of that. I would I would know just as fully as I have known. But hmm. then I realized, wait a minute, I'm never going to be omniscient. I'm never going to be God. So if I'm not omniscient in heaven, that means I can learn things. And that's what makes heaven so exciting. You'll be able to, to have new moments of insight. Hmm. Now, here's the thing. Uh, limitations, uh, we can talk more about this in a moment, but I, I believe that all of us will be perfect in heaven, but not all equal or the same in heaven. Hmm. I think that all of us will be glorious in heaven, but not equally glorious. I think all of us will be filled with joy, but not equally full, if you know what I mean, perfectly full, but different diameters or sizes of the vessel. Hmm. You can imagine a thimble and a huge vat, both of them completely immersed in the Pacific Ocean, both of them full, but they're just different in their size. And Jesus said, the measure you use is the measure you receive. 
So I think part of the rewards of heaven will be a greater capacity to take in and comprehend the glory of God. Mm. But everybody will be so full and so satisfied and joyful with what we will learn. Let me say another thing too. Um, part of the weakness of our minds right now comes into play. Uh, we are dull in our understanding. We don't quite get it. Remember the disciples, mm -hmm. you know, Jesus charged them with being dull. He said, are you so dull? Don't you understand? He was talking about, about what goes into a man's mouth does not make him unclean. And he, he called them dull. Yes, we are dull. Uh, we don't get it. Uh, sometimes things have to be explained multiple times to us, etc. That problem gets solved in heaven. We will get it. We will comprehend and we will understand what God is saying. Also, there's the issue of attention span um, or ADD, which hmm. may be getting worse with the smartphones. I don't know. You know, shorter attention spans. <laughs> Imagine a strengthening of the mind to be able to comprehend and focus for a long time on something. Napoleon actually said that genius is the ability to focus for a long time on a single thing. And so we will have that kind of genius in heaven, all of us, the ability to focus for a long time on what God is showing us. And he's got so much to teach us of his own glory, what he's done in the past. Mm -hmm. I want to talk uh, just a little bit about some of the specifics of how okay. we'll be kind of upfitted, how we'll be okay. uh, increased in our capacity. One question that has come up, uh, someone is asking, and I think interesting, I think we spoke a little bit about this in relation to the earth mm -hmm. and how there'll be continuity but also newness right, right. This, the, this idea of resurrection so sure. we're talking about that the question is when our soul is reunited with our resurrected body will that body have any of the original molecules or cells of our earthly body so this this feels like a little bit of speculation which we want to kind of avoid but do we have any insights or things that we can bring to bear there specifically yeah i think what you get from the couplets in first corinthians 15 uh 42 to 44 it is sown it is raised it 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 so there's continuity but difference sure there comes a point in which Paul uses the word foolish. He says, how foolish, you know? And so we ask these questions, and I'm not saying the questioners, we're all like that. And Paul is like, we're, we're like, well, tell us more, tell us more. And at some point we're like, uh, you know, we're, we're, we're stopped short. So sure. there is continuity and difference. Yeah. Continuity and difference. Uh, some people have, have sought, and I think what Paul's saying is foolish is the, is the attempt to disprove the resurrection by the mm -hmm. fact that these problems can't be solved. Now that's what's foolish. Uh, not the questioning of it, but questioning as of, I don't think it can happen. Yeah. Because you think about people that go through like 9-11, the, uh, the uh, fireball on a plane and you can't find a single, like, you know, nothing's left. Or atomic blast, something like that. Um, you think there's nothing left. We know that God can keep track of atoms and molecules and all that. So at some point, we just have to say, my knowledge is limited. There's a continuity, but there's also a difference. Yeah. I think that's really helpful. And that was helpful for me even thinking about the earth and what that looks like yeah. and what that'll mean. So how will our hearts be changed mm -hmm. to delight perfectly in Christ? Okay. That's, that's, so let's start there. How will our hearts be changed to delight perfectly in Christ? Oh, that's such a great question. And, you know, right now I'm working on sermons on 1 Corinthians 13. God willing, we'll get to that uh, at some point when we're, when we're uh, past Easter and back to 1 Corinthians. Um, but heaven, uh, Jonathan Edwards wrote a great treatise, Heaven is a World of Love. So we'll start with this. We'll be perfected in love. And one of the things that we'll be perfected in is we will lose that fanatical commitment to self, that pride that takes everything back to me. Hmm. We'll be set free from me. We will first... And foremost, be transported into, into uh, 
a sense of bliss and delight in Christ and in God. It will be all about God and about the greatness of the glory of God and of Christ. And we won't be wondering, what about me? Just like somebody who really loves nature, seeing the Rocky Mountains or the Grand Canyon for the first time, and they're just not thinking about me at that moment. They are just transported up out of themselves. That will be perfected in heaven. We won't be thinking about me anymore. We'll be thinking about the greatness of Christ. But furthermore, we will be uh, set free from selfishness and pride toward one another. We will be in and love each other and each other's glory because it will be a reflection of God's glory. And so other people's rewards We'll be delighting them as much as our own. We'll want to hear other people's stories as much as if they'd happened to us. Anybody who's ever gone on a mission trip, they come back with bunches of photos <laughs> and they want to show them to everybody. It's a good friend that will sit through 10% of your photos. All right? <laughs> it's like, yeah, so tell me, uh, tell me about your mission trip, you know, for a, to a point. Yeah. Got a, wow. a limited wow. amount wow. of interest. Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> we act interested. In heaven, we won't act interested. We will be interested. Hmm. We will want to hear from a sister or a brother hmm. what God did in and through their lives. And we won't act interested. We will be, we'll be engrossed in what God did in and through them. We will be delighted in their honors and their rewards. We will think it's right that they be honored by the Lord because God did it. Everything that God does is right. And we will we'll be excited. And, you know, it says in 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 12, if one part of the body is honored, the whole body is honored with it. That's going to be consummated in heaven. Mm. We're going to delight in other people's honors and glories. And there will be people above us in honor. There'll be people, people mm. above us in rewards. People above us in glory. And we won't be jealous of them. We will just think it is right for them to have those honors and we'll, we'll delight in them. Conversely, they won't think less of us or be condescending toward us because they will be perfected in humility and they will be delighted in our honors and think, isn't that wonderful what God did in and through you? That's the world of love we're going to. So just being set free from me at last to worship God and to honor brothers and sisters, how beautiful will that be? Yeah, uh, it's so helpful. You mentioned earlier the idea of Smartphones, and I think particularly right now, I don't know, you may even be watching this on a smartphone, but I, I'm just mindful of all the things that vie for our attention and how easily distracted we are. You know, you think about how we can act interested in something, you said that a moment ago, but not really be interested in something. I just want to be more interested in Jesus. I want to be more interested in brothers and sisters. And, and I think that as we look forward and we think about that, it's something to aspire to, but also have great hope that It'll get better then as well as we're freed from a lot of those things that you Absolutely. just mentioned. So wandering attention spans, mm. uh, faking interest, boredom. Yeah. Boredom is gone. God is never bored. God is delighted. And Jesus said, have you considered the lilies of the field? That You look at these, these small wildflowers. He was fascinated with them because God made them. Anything God does is mm. worthy of study. And so uh, delivered from boredom, uh, delivered from a wandering mind and from all of the weakness of the flesh. How about, how about our understanding? So we've talked a little bit about how our attention span will be yeah. redeemed, and these two are kind of connected, I feel like, because mm -hmm. sometimes I can focus really hard and, mm -hmm. and stay engaged, but just not get something. Sure. And, and sometimes I can get something, but then I, I kind of yeah. get pulled away by something else. Yeah. So I feel like those are connected. Yeah. How, how will our understanding be changed, and how does that play in with our attention span? Yeah, all right, so here's the thing. Um, the significance of, of moments in history 
uh, involve backstory. They involve a run-up to understand what's so big about this. Frankly, all of Jesus' healing miracles are like that. Mm. Take the man born blind. All right, let's say you just kind of drop into that story having no idea who he is. Jesus isn't even there because he sends the man away to the, the pool named Sent. So he's sent away. He's alone. It's a man with mud on his eyes. It's like, that's weird. And then he washes the mud off and he opens his eyes and he's overwhelmed with his first vision mm. of light and color. And he's just... He's almost speechless at the blue sky and the green leaves and the bird soaring and the face maybe of his parents there and, and all of that. And you're like, what's the big deal? The whole thing's backstory. It's like, no, no this man was born blind and now he can see. So that's going to be true multiplied by a, a multitude greater than anyone could count. Backstory is huge. Yeah. It's not just a man converted on the road to Damascus. It's who he was. It's that he's Saul of Tarsus. It's that he sat at the feet of Gamaliel. It's that he'd been breaking up churches and dragging off men and women. That's the one that's converted. The backstory is everything. And so we've got to be able to track and understand and put two and two together to be able to see the pockets, the hidden hidden uh, pockets of nectar in each flower, to be able to suck the nectar out of each one. We've got to understand the story. And the, we have to track it. We have to follow what's going on so we can get the punchline. And why, why is that so hard for us now? You talked a little bit earlier, one of our first questions, we were talking about God as the perfect history teacher. Mm-hmm. What, what's wrong with our history now that maybe even makes it challenging for us to understand or to, to follow these storylines as well? Well, you know, first of all, it's just hard to comprehend. You've got, you know, I, I uh, teach history at Southeastern. You've got to get chronology down. You've got to get all of this stuff. The Bible's full of history. It takes a long time to master the Old Testament, to understand the significance of things. Significance of things. And so it, it, our minds uh, do not comprehend. We're not able to, f- uh, to put it all together. And so also human history is not the Bible, but human histories, as I've said, are flawed and, and, and biased, and they come at it uh, from an angle. And so for us to get the actual truth from the mind of God, and for him to know exactly what each of us will need to be able to get the kernel of the nut of this particular person and what, what is so amazing about what God did in her life or in his life. He will tell us what we need and show us, I think reveal to us, what we need to get the glory in that story. And so until we get that, history is going to be a bunch of chronologies, a bunch of treaties and dissertations and things that are hard to comprehend and so dry and we're bored and we don't get it and and we lose it. We don't get the point. Yeah. And I think some of that is tied, like we mentioned, to our our pride, right? Mm -hmm. The the idea that, like, your story's just not as interesting as mine. You mentioned a a commercial. We were talking Mm -hmm. earlier and you mentioned a commercial where it was kind of dealing with this topic. Remind me what... Yeah, it was it was a Yellow Pages ad years ago, and they it was just a bunch of puns, and they were just trying to get people to use the Yellow Pages. This one was for vanity cases, hmm. so I don't even know what a vanity case is, but maybe it's something in a bathroom, a bathroom vanity, or something like that. But it was a double play, so it was a bunch of like egomaniac types, like like high society types, at a kind of an edgy kind of Hollywood party, and the, and you're hearing overhearing all this arrogant conversation, and there's this one woman in this outrageous outfit with this incredible hat. And she says to this other guy who's barely listening to her, because he's an egomaniac too, and she says, uh, but enough about me. Well, let's talk about you. 
what do you think about my new dress? <laughs> Oh and that's that fanatical self-reference mm. to be able to set be set free from that and say I'm all in. I want I want to know what God did in your life. Yeah, and we're so bound by that even from infancy. We've talked before about the fact that you know you you are born and immediately you know I'm hungry. I have needs, and I'm going to demand something from mom and dad. Some of you have recently had a new child enter your family, and you're experiencing some of that now. Just that desire to have what I want when I want it. And, and we get better maybe at kind of socially tempering some of that, yeah. but it sticks with us. And yeah. so to be free from that, yeah. you know, how, how will we be free from pride mm-hmm. to delight in other people's glory? So, so we'll be free from pride, which is good, but yeah. why is that important as it relates to our relationships with others in the storyline of redemptive history? Well, pride is it's a vital study in theology. Right? We believe that pride was the root of Satan's fall, mm-hmm. that Satan noticed his own glory and his own attributes and I think he actually compared them to other angels and saw that he had more he had more glory and he fell into idolatry of self Mm. self self-worship and then he began to be arrogant vertically toward God and think in the in the five I will statements in Isaiah 14 I myself like the Most High I will reign on God's throne Uh, but he didn't realize the infinite gap infinite gap between creator and creature. He'd become blinded by self-worship. We then, as children of the devil, fell into that kind of self-worship, that idolatry of self, and we, uh, we worshiped ourselves at different levels. Now, salvation is fundamentally a work of humbling. We are fundamentally humbled by the Holy Spirit of God to turn away from self, to not trust in our own works, to look to another, someone not us, someone greater than us, someone whose perfect life is given to us and ascribed to us as a gift, someone whose atoning death was necessary because of our wretched sin, whose bloody death on the cross was made necessary by our sin. Justification by faith alone is deeply humbling. Eternal uh, predestination by the sovereign uh, love of God before the foundation of the world is deeply humbling, before the twins were born or had done anything good or bad, so that we would not boast before him. Um, sanctification, the life of trying to work out our salvation with fear and trembling is deeply humbling. Glorification is humbling, where in an instant God does what we could never do in a thousand lifetimes. It's humbling. We were humbled because God hates pride. And so we're humbled vertically to see the infinite gap between us and God. And we're in heaven, we'll see it. We'll realize the otherness of God and we'll delight in it. He will be so beautifully attractive to us and we'll be caught up in that glory. And we will realize whatever differences there are between us and other redeemed people, God made it that way. Mm -hmm. What do you have that you didn't receive? And if you did receive it, why do you boast as though you did not? So, And it's going to be needful in heaven because we will never have looked better then we will look in heaven. We will be radiant like the sun, and yet we will not worship ourselves. We will see others radiant like the sun, but we won't worship them. We'll worship God. Mm. We'll be set free forever from the pollution of pride. Praise God. I I long for that day. I feel it in relationships. I feel it in just my own, even motivations for things, how pride is just such a thread throughout my entire life. And really, I think, at the root of a lot of sin that we're still battling to put to death in our lives. Yeah. And what a, what a joy to be free from that. Mm-hmm. So our hearts will be changed to delight perfectly in Christ. 
our attention spans will be altered, and our understanding will be seriously built up so that we can comprehend what's going on. We'll be freed from pride and delight in other people's glory. Will there be any limits to our perfection uh, and our glory in heaven? Yeah, there is, and we've already, we've already talked about them. We'll never be God. And so right there and then, that's where pride is forever slain. We will always be creatures and we'll know it. We'll know it. Just like the seraphim uh, in Isaiah 6 cover their faces mm-hmm. before God. They understand, though they've never sinned, they are creature and God is creator. So we'll be limited in that regard. Uh, we're not Mormons. Uh, Mormons teach a heresy that says concerning Christ, what he, uh, what he is, we may become. What uh, what we are he once was that is completely false that's deification that Jesus became a god and we can become gods too we will never never become gods and goddesses uh, so we'll be limited furthermore as I've already said star differs from star in glory so we'll be limited by the fact that we'll have a limitation to our scope of glory in heaven and others will have limitations too and there'll be boundary lines to our glory the boundary lines uh, will have fallen for us in pleasant places, but we'll be limited by that. And we will not be jealous of others' boundary lines. We will see how fitting it is that they have a larger scope of heavenly responsibility and of heavenly glory. So we will be limited in, in that uh, we have a certain measure, a certain measure of heavenly glory. Now here's the really exciting thing, and, and it's challenging too. I believe that how we live on earth will set those limits. Mm. I believe that what we did for God, the level of sacrifice, the level of service, uh, defines our position, where we sit, whether to the right or the left of Jesus, those places are given to those for whom they're prepared by the Father, it's limited by the Father, Mm. and did they serve, and did they drink from Christ's cup? So suffering service, uh, and some just suffered more than I have in this life, and they deserve greater glory. And I will see the rightness of it. But here's the thing. The way we live now, that's what heavenly rewards. And we'll talk about God willing rewards in the future. But uh, how much of heaven do you want? How much of a heavenly experience do you want? I think the more you go after God now and serve him and deny yourself and go after him, the more of heavenly joy you'll have. The measure you use on earth will be the measure you receive in heaven. Mm. Well, Andy, I have one more question myself and then would love just... Any thoughts you have to kind of bring this all together to to help us understand why this is so important? Looking back at history and being able to handle that, but then also being upfitted to handle the glory of heaven. And so, first, my question is: as as we're in this week, as we're leading up to celebrating the resurrection on Sunday, as we think even before that on on Friday about the cross, about what Jesus did for us, how can we see those things as we look back even now? in light of heaven and in light of what that means for us and then for us as we look toward our heavenly home. Yeah, I think the more we can meditate on these things, the better. First of all, the very last thing I I, uh, said, I want my book and just this whole teaching to motivate people to strive for excellence in their walk with Christ, personal holiness, and external journey, gospel advance, reaching out with the gospel. We should strive for excellence and strive for as much heavenly joy as we can ever have. Uh, we should also be um, not be jealous of other people, uh, jealous of what God chooses to give them. Um, you know, love does not envy, it says. And so to envy means to, to, to see the blessings of another and to wish they were yours. 
in a very green-eyed sort of jealous sort of way. We'll not do that in heaven. And the more we can know that on earth, the better. We can be set free. So the more we can meditate on the perfection of our heavenly love, the more loving we can be right now. And I'm teen. It's important, especially for large families that are on top of each other at home all day long, to develop a heavenly love for one another. To develop that kind of love is patient, love is kind. It doesn't envy, it doesn't boast, it's not easily angered, it keeps no record of wrongs. The more we can have a heavenly uh, mindset, the more earthly love will show to one another. And also, uh, for those that are elderly, to, you may have certain fears about COVID-19, about your own future. Do not fear. If you're a Christian, your best physical days are yet to come. You are going to receive a resurrection body conformed to Christ that will be glorious and radiant. So do not fear what happens to your mortal body. We're all going to die if we're not the final generation. We don't need to fear that at all. We can be courageous, even in the face of a, of a pandemic like this one. Mm. Well, we got one more question before uh, we kind of wrap up and, and kind of tie a bow on this. Feel free if you want to send in questions. Again, we may not get to them tonight, uh, but that doesn't mean it couldn't be incorporated maybe next time we're together. Um, but one more question, just thinking about uh, the attributes of God and how we won't be God. So in line with that, God is timeless, omnipresent, everywhere at all times, all at once. Mm-hmm. In heaven is our ability to be timeless, limited to being in heaven only. All right, so we will be eternally alive in heaven. All right, the one one attribute that God cannot ever communicate to us is aseity, or his self-existence. Our continued existence for all eternity will depend on God's will to keep us existing. But he's already promised that we will live forever. So our eternality will have to do with forever existing in glory as God upholds it. Upholds it. Our knowledge of the past, we will not be eternally uh, in the past. God is in the past as he is in the present. We will never be above time. We'll be learning time. We'll be looking back and learning it like we do now, better than books. And I think next time we're going to talk about visions of the past. That's going to be a pretty exciting study. So God will show it to us, I think, not merely tell it. Hmm. So that's a little hint for the next time. <laughs> but we're not going to actually be in the past. God is eternal and above all time. We'll just be learning about the past. That's great. And I appreciate the trailer. I'm excited for that that conversation as well. Thinking about seeing, uh, not just hearing or not just reading, because we, we do a lot of those things now, but actually being able to see and experience what God did throughout history. I look forward to talking about that. As we as we wrap up our time this evening, Andy, any final thoughts to just kind of tie this all together to help us think about these topics that we've talked about tonight well uh, as we finish? Let me get really practical, all right? There's a lot of people that are streaming entertainment, um, and there's nothing wrong with that as long as the things you're streaming are God-honoring. But why don't you choose one time of not streaming and spend time in prayer reading over Revelation 21 and 22. And say, as you pray, God, give me a foretaste in the spirit of heavenly joy. Help me to feel right now in my soul what it's going to be like to be in the new Jerusalem, in the new heaven, new earth. Mm-hmm. Do that instead of, of binge-watching Andy Griffith or some other thing <laughs> like that. Just skip one of those episodes and go to Revelation 21 and 22 and let the Holy Spirit lift you up into the heavenly realms through meditation. 
Well, thanks so much for being with us this evening. It's been a joy to think about these things. Uh, we want you to know, uh, if you're a member of First Baptist Church, we're praying for you also. Uh, if you're not, we're also praying that the Lord would be working through this time to teach us things, but also to bring an end and glorify himself, even in these trying times. So we're thankful that you've joined us for this video. Andy, would you mind praying for us and Absolutely. for those who are with us this evening in your last stream? Absolutely. Lord, thank you so much for this time. Thank you for the technology. I thank you for Wes and just um, his gifts and, and just the sweetness of this conversation. I thank you for all of my brothers and sisters, however many there may be, that live stream tonight. Lord, give each one of them a sense through the Holy Spirit of that beautiful world to which we are going and how much it's going to radiate with the glory of God and of Christ. Help us to have foretaste of that so that we can face our present earthly challenges with hope and with joy and courage. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to this resource from twojourneys.org. Feel free to use and share this content to spread the knowledge of God and build His kingdom. Only we ask that you do so for non-commercial purposes and in accordance with the copyright policy found at twojourneys.org. Two Journeys exists to help Christians make progress in the two journeys of the Christian life, the internal journey of sanctification and the external journey of gospel advancement. We do this by exporting biblical teaching for the good of Christ's church and for the glory of God.